You are listening to the 13th Hour, your source for all things Pathfinder. I'm your host, Miss 13th Hour herself, Fallon, here with your tabletop gaming developer and self-professed Pathfinder guru, Eli. We are also joined by veteran tabletop player and budding DM, Frank. So today we're talking about our favorite adventures or misadventures in stories from the table. I think Frank has a a theme today that he wants to talk about. Um, (laughs) One of his favorite characters that in one of our games is Rust. We've talked a little bit about Rust before, (laughs) but I think that we should let uh, Frank introduce a little bit about Rust and a little bit about things that he does. Yes, um, so I uh, I play Rust Nisham, the uh, kineticist of many tales, and he has been a really fun character who kind of started as a lark, but then uh, appeared fully formed walking out of the woods with a lot of strong <laughs> opinions, and that's part of what has gotten him into uh, a lot of these situations. The fun thing about playing Rust is that he definitely follows a pretty strict lawful good alignment but he also oh how would you say he doesn't always have that voice uh saying don't do that this could be a bad choice <laughs> no he definitely has that voice uh that is very what shall we say impulsive that says hey that's a thing uh yeah it's uh <laughs> one, one th- one thing that's fun is that while well, we have a lot of um, classy uh, sort of high high society folks in this game, um, Rust is uh, not, as his name implies. He is whatever is below salt of the earth. He is a little little dirty, a little rough around the edges, and he does not have a huge amount of impulse control, especially when it comes to putting his hands on things. As he says, he is a very uh, touch-motivated learner he is a kin, uh, kinesiatic kin, kinesi- he, he learns by touching and <laughs> so he will often look with his hands before he looks with his eyes and that has become a running a running gag within the whole campaign i'd say definitely yes. agree that it has i think my favorite story about his touching without thinking is when he got his little friend little chomp so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you met Little Chomp? <laughs> oh, little, little, little Chompers. So yeah, uh, one thing or another aspect about Rust is that um, he loves uh, all of God's creations, both large and small, holy and unholy. If it is an animal or something that could be perceived as being animal-like, he will take it upon himself to try and become its friend. So bear that in mind. This happened while our crew was, you know, many sessions deep into a grueling, grueling dungeon. And we we finally had a bit of a reprieve in that it looked like we had found a sort of gentler puzzle slash treasure room. And it, I can't remember the exact details, but I think that there had le- at least been enough of a sort of perception or disabled check to, to see that the box itself, the chest itself was not either trapped or cursed. And so immediately Russ said, well, I need to see what's in this. There might be something good. There could be treasure. And so he flips open the chest and just dives straight in. And he finds that he is getting bit on the hand 
by very sharp pointy teeth. And when he rips his hand out, there is this uh, small, weird looking bag that has just attached itself to his hand and is screaming about how it is, what, what is it, the, just, the Great Destroyer? Or it serves the Great Destroyer? The Great Devourer. Oh, I apologize. The Great Devourer. That was definitely um, my favorite. To clarify, that was actually in a pile full of all sorts of cursed artifacts that I gave out to the party. And I think that the party realized that they were all cursed at the time. But Little Chomp was definitely the most lightly cursed. <laughs> well, yeah, after after Russ convinced uh, Little Choppers to, uh, to release his hand, they made a pact that if... Little Chompers hung out with Rust, and he'd make sure that anything that could be a good, good sort of meal to be devoured would be offered up to him. So now Little Chompers lives on his belt, and uh, <laughs> as the uh, bag of devouring, he can use that. Uh, he can swing Little Chompers around as a free action to <laughs> do a minor natural attack if he so chooses. I forgot about that. He is a free action weapon. However, narratively, I think one of the things that we that we've most enjoyed about Chompers is the reaction that our alchemist Luke has had to uh, Little Chomp. She is not a fan of him in any. Um, <laughs> I believe that. Well, it's worth noting that she's also Russ's wife in the story, and she one has of them. well, one of them, yes. But <laughs> this one in particular has uh, been quoted as things as that she wants children and you should stop hanging that thing so close uh, so close to your uh, children makers. And uh, <laughs> I believe her initial response to him was, please stop befriending things if you can't, if you don't know what gods they serve. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but conveniently, Little Chompers now sees Rust as a conduit of the Great Devourer, so it, it works out. And, you know, Aniki says that she's an animal lover, but she only likes the cute ones, and we need to love even the ugly ones, like Little Chompers here. Are, are you saying that hellhounds are pretty? Absolutely. <laughs> as if you would suggest otherwise. <laughs> They they are very they're very fluff. They are uh, at least at least our hellhounds are. Our hellhounds I always are imagine hellhounds resembling something from Resident Evil. Nah, our hellhounds are beautiful puppers. Yeah, just think about it. Uh, Deckard would never raise a clan or a pack of like skinless like zombie dogs. He needs to make sure that he can brush out their fur and like give them treats. <laughs> That is true. He he is a very devoted and doting uh, pupper father. It's true. This, this is our Lord of the Underworld as a clarification. <laughs> I'm just imagining giant snails again. <laughs> yeah, we did have did a giant get... Yep. I wish they would have stayed that size in your garden. <laughs> I suppose that that is another case of touching something a little bit more loosely interpreted. But uh, would you like to tell everyone the origin of your snail friend? Oh, yeah. This would be the acronym for my snail friend is TIFF, uh, short for Tiffany. I can't remember exactly what it is. Something about like maybe the terrifying uh, tiny, tiny snail 
uh, with fangs for eyes. Um, but on our very, very, very first, first or second um, first. game of this campaign, towards the end of exploring these ruins of this old temple, we, we come across these, these massive rainbow-colored snails that were just kind of, you know, snailing around. And like I said, they're they're massive, probably about the size that we were as, you know, medium humanoid creatures. And Rust was just taken with them. He had never seen anything quite like them, and he was he was very very smitten with them. And he wanted to make sure that uh, they did not the party did not have to engage them in combat. And so when one of them just wandered and slugged off he was he was very happy uh yes um at the end there your new sorceress friend decided to shrink one down and stick it in a jar for you so that you could take it home and take care of it forever Yes, and Rust has turned that jar into a terrarium that uh, sits at the back of his travel pack, and uh, he has done a lot of in-game research to see what exactly these magic snails like, and he has found out that it's regular snail things, such as any sort of uh, leaves or rotting foliage, but also any sort of crystal or precious gem or mineral. So if... uh, They've come across, the, if the party comes across any sort of stash of jewels, when there are some that aren't really worth, uh, worth selling, then he'll, he'll sneak those away and feed them to Tiff. Oh, you should have told me about, because I had black diamonds. No, no, let's not, uh, <laughs> let's not uh, go a little too far there on that one. She doesn't need to be spoiled with black diamonds she's already spoiled as is um rust has also taught his <laughs> child how to care for this uh magic snail uh yes he loves that snail sasha loves that snail so much he probably loves that snail more than he loves his parents well i mean <laughs> she is definitely uh, a lot more exciting as a tiny creature that does not nag or ask him to do any chores or make him eat his vegetables what's funny um, about that snail because I thought it was pretty dang large towering over us that it thought you and Dylan were teddy bears and it was trying to love on y'all. That's right. I forgot about that. This was one of the first enemies I threw at y'all. And I, at the time, was trying to teach a lesson about how everything is not a nail, even if you have a hammer, because these, they're called flail snails and they deflect magic so i was trying to teach everyone hey maybe you should feel out what an enemy is and can do before you start like going ham they did not stop and they went ham (laughs) (laughs) and there's magic flying around this room it doesn't matter how many times they hit it with a spell and it didn't do anything again oh it was a mess i eventually had to have the snails get bored of the fight and walk off Well, uh, there's not much I could do, especially when I kept slipping on the slime. The slime was also a, a wonderful feature. That was a kind of a hot mess. That was not sure. a good. That was not a good early fight for you, for you guys, but you survived it. Uh, made a good story. <laughs> and they, they did that, yeah. Despite the fact that we have had a number of of close calls, we have managed to never, with this campaign, we've never managed a full total party party wipe. It's true. I'm actually very impressed that you have managed not to do that. Actually, 
sometimes it's gotten fairly dire. It, it has, in fact, gotten dire. Mm-hmm. In which certain prayers to certain gods have had to be used. I will admit that you, since you've made the deal with one of the god, the god of death, it has gotten a little less imposing to have you guys <laughs> die off. In fact, it's gotten to the point where now we have the joke about the the frequent flyers coffee. Yes, I, I've had my card punched enough that it's I've gotten coffee. <laughs> See, you got your free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it was good um, coffee. It's also uh, a bit less dire because, as we've seen, once Rust learned Breath of Life and the he he took to the heart the lesson that you administer Breath of Life mouth to mouth, he will do it to anyone in the party, including the canine familiars. <laughs> Which is my favorite things. And it's my fault because the first character who ever did Breath of Life for you kissed you to, to revive you and you have death taking that to heart i still think that you kissing the hellhound to bring him back was one of one of the most amazing moments from this campaign like i said rust loves animals it's <laughs> he true. does he is you even kissed the cat person. you kissed the cat a couple of times too yeah you yep. did never had to kiss the fox though no that's because the but fox is smarter than the cat <laughs> that's true the fox would bite you it doesn't matter if you revived her she would bite you afterwards because she's mean um luckily uh russ does have some of on your lap (laughs) yeah luckily he it does have some uh that acid resist i think it is that's correct yeah so when she bites him she doesn't she at least doesn't do acid damage to him oh my god Mm -hmm. just the pointy teeth damage just the pointy teeth damage let's see what's what are other good instances of things you have touched and has gotten you in trouble the dragon well, I wouldn't say that this is a touch necessarily, but Rust has a really spec. For the longest time, he had a spectacularly low will save. Oh, he did. Oh, poor buddy. Uh, I believe better, that it but... was. Yeah, I believe it was his first role um, in uh, in the the temple. The first session, uh, it was a will save, and he failed it and went screaming in the wrong direction. And honestly, <laughs> he's been doing the exact same thing ever since that i think that was the very first role in the temple on the very first session that was another one that he there's another instance where there was a uh, a really bad will save it was back when we went to go rescue emma from the evil garden from the essentially the fey lands yes and he was i think making out with the uh what was it 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 made I don't remember what it was called, but it was essentially a water demon thing that seduced him and was going to drown him. Okay, yeah. seduced is a very strong word. He lost his will will save and it just wrapped him up in its watery tendrils and just kept like dunking him in the lake. Uh, he was just, you know, um, a little probably uh, starved of oxygen, you know, charmed. So he thought it was a great fun time. Also, he was, I think, catching some of the splash damage from the the fight going on with said water demon. Yeah. That did not. That was not a great time for you. You had a lot of bad will saves during that adventure, <laughs> because you had at least yeah. one more where you almost got called off the, the like shadow path by another will save that would have had you getting lost in the fog. Yeah, and yes. then there was that instance where Kieran slipped up and said his name. 
And then that did not help. <laughs> everyone hated her for that entire adventure. But I think some people had an issue with her already. That's well, not Russ snapped, but he apologized as soon no, as no, he no, snapped. No, 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 no. Like there were some comments the other team, the rest of the members said, like uh, about Anniki saying. I know which one it is, which one hates you the most. She's like, I don't hate anyone. Well, you know, it happens. And that was definitely high tension because you were already oh, yeah. having to rescue a, a party member from a right. bad situation. So, Which they blame for her for. That was not, that was a complicated situation. It was- yeah, especially since the person that Kieran trusted, she thought her, the the deity she was serving was a good guy who actually ended up being betraying her (laughs) well at least you didn't actively make a deal with him at the end of that that adventure oh yeah i think kieran was starting to distrust dawn at that point there was she could she didn't know that he was the bad guy but she thought something odd was going on and stuff and she was she was at that she was at that turning point of like things aren't what she thinks they are well i mean that makes sense they they were not (laughs) Actually, it took it took the party longer than I thought it would to catch on that he was not a good guy, which I don't know if that reflects well on me or poorly on me, but that did not. Even go. though Descartes had told us that, hey, this guy is not good. <laughs> well, he he's also not the type to come out and tell you what to do. So sure. whatever, we've gotten sidetracked. No, we always as do. We do. <laughs> well. Rust, how about you tell us about the time that you got your hand uh, bit off? That's another touched it moment. Uh, you know, that is often brought out as the sort of crown in the Rust gets in trouble like set. Um, however, <laughs> I would say that it's a slightly different context than, for instance, Little Chompers. This was, again, it was one of our sort of multi-session arcs uh, coming to a close. Once again, interacting with these sort of extra planar deities and big set pieces and i believe i don't entirely recall how we ended up face to face with a mighty version of pathfinder fenris the giant wolf but we did and rust um, of course being who he is like i said the very lawful good who does not think things through volunteered as collateral to put his arm in between the jaws of the giant wolf while a spell was being performed in order to ensure that the the team was not going to double cross on said spell and they didn't but the wolf still bit down i don't remember exactly what happened there was something that went a little bit wrong there at the end okay i think i can answer this all right this adventure started out we had been asked by Descartes and eden eden well Descartes, you know is the god of the underworld and he has many aspects hades and a number of mythologies and eden i don't know her full title but i know she is the goddess of time among other things we had we had been asked to come and help deal with an issue, and the issue turned it out to be the Fenner's figure. The chain that bound him was broken, and we needed to redo the chains. A lot of stuff happened. It was a lot of growth and development that was great for Kieran. 
mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. The, because they needed her because she was meant to serve the underworld because she was I believe I can't remember if she's the one that's supposed to eat the sun or eat the moon or chase it to eat it. I think I can't sun, remember because I think Aniki is the moon. But carry on. You know what? That actually is a good point because that said um my character was supposed to be the one that hates, but um she was warned by Dakar, don't become the one of that's that that's all you are. That's you can't be anything else. Yes. But yeah. And they were trying to free her from Dawn's control because um, he used a goddess that was supposed to serve Eden, who betrayed them, uh, wrapped her heart. And this is where the context of the whole heart ripping comes in, because they had to pull her heart out to uh, remove like the netting and wrapping that would prevent her from really accepting what she was now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I think that. that's I think that's part of why things went wrong and why they needed Ru- or Russ or someone to be the one holding Venus in place, which is what Frank's character was doing. <laughs> I think that's what went wrong. And then after all that was done, then we had some story building. I I don't know how I did it. It was mostly me pulling things out of my ass. Um, <laughs> You know what? That's some of the best storylines. <laughs> that is true. It's like, and, and it was great that Eli let me just come up with a random story about the the two si- wolf siblings that chased the moon and the sun, and that Fenris was the betrayer and stuff like that. And it was all great. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad that you guys had fun with that one. But that is when... That is when Russ lost his right hand because it got bit off by a giant uh, magic wolf. Yes. He has, since, he has since got a prosthetic that works fairly well. Oh, yeah. It's magic in some way, but I don't remember how we enchanted it. I believe that we had one of the NPCs from our home base that he had done some some magic for it. Yeah, something. Oh, it gives you some kind of name. bonus. I know that we ended up using some of the clockwork construct, like, mechanics for it. Yeah, it gives you some sort of, like, attack bonuses, I believe. Uh, it it gives, actually, a, it gives, it's the clockwork uh, prosthetic either trait or feat, and it adds bonus to his CMB, yes. or his CMD, uh, I apologize, and then it also gave him the enhanced initiative in lightning reflexes, and I believe that it gave a smaller buff to the CMB. The CMD buff for the defense is, I believe, like a full 10 points. Yeah, I know that it, it gave you some really good things, which is why you can shoot back pretty well with the C. Touching things is good. <laughs> I might have lost my hand, but look at all this cool stuff I got. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he couldn't fly for a little bit, I think. Because he yeah. had to learn how to use it properly. Which, since then, I think he's doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it all worked out pretty well. Oh, yeah. What, what, what are, if you had to tell one archetypal story about Rust, what story would you tell? If it was the only story you could tell about him? That's a, that a great question. So, I don't know if you guys have mentioned this little interlude that happened of uh, when the team got sent to 
the past question mark an alternate reality question mark we've touched on uh, it but we, we went to someplace older uh, <laughs> and colder um <laughs> but it was a very interesting time where he was very much out of his element and we saw him kind of stumble with that for a while but he he got the achievement of uh drinking with vikings and he got some <laughs> liquid courage in him which ended up having him wander slightly away from center stage the main team and being propositioned by one of the faith people of this culture that it seemed like there was things that were weighing on Rust's mind and offered him the opportunity to lick a psychedelic mushroom. And <laughs> of course, Rust took that opportunity with both hands. And from that came probably one of my uh, favorite sort of interpersonal scenes with Rust wherein he has a, a conversation with a sort of amalgamation of characters both from this uh, past sort of Nordic setting, uh, deity from that combined with the character that we eventually find out is his father and having that sort of discussion of Yes, you are in fact the lawful good cowboy paladin. That's okay. Believe in yourself. All of those uh, sort of a very special episode things. But it uh, was most 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 fun of all is that it did end with Rust receiving one of his first relics, which was a bracer with uh, some. Uh, of the ion stones in it um, which is something that he has continued to wear all the way through the uh, campaign and also he got to lick a frog <laughs> that was definitely a good sequence you you definitely had a good talk i think that was a very important character growth moment because up until that point you had a hard time balancing as a kineticist you have a primary element and your primary element is fire but additionally, and the larger scope of the campaign, all of the various main characters are associated with a different as a larger grand destiny thing. And I won't get into that right now. But that gave you Earth. So you'd have been having your character been having a hard time trying to balance the difference between fire and Earth and was ending up doing a lot more of turning things to, to ash than anything else. And I think that that was a that was your first step down figuring out how to how to balance the two in character. I think so. I think so. It was a, it was a lot of fun and any time that I can really sort of pin Russ down and make him squirm is enjoyable because uh, despite his bravado, he is quite easy to make squirm. Um, he doesn't have a lot of cracks so much as his his hard exterior is not nearly as thick as he would like to pretend. No, he's a big softy. Never want to admit it. That's not true. Hey, remember that time he threw that fox across a garden? Oh, that was kind of the opposite of touching something. That was, <laughs> there was an excellent interlude, a small thing that the team had been sent on to go and steal something from a haunted mansion, I believe. And you ran into some sort of sentient is probably not the right word, but there were garden statues that were going to try to smash you. And you chivalrously went to grab the fox familiar to try to make sure she got out of the way 
but you fumbled your role and you threw her across the clearing like a football. And she has But she did get out of out of threat range. She did get out of threat range. That is true. Absolutely true. You still threw her like a football and she still remembers <laughs> it to this day. Because she is a familiar and her intelligence is higher than than two. Uh so she has grudges. She holds grudges. She holds grudges like a champ. Her intelligence is higher than I think some of the members in the party. Oh, I can I can guarantee you that it's higher than some of the members of the party in so many different ways. I love our party so much. <laughs> we are a mixed bag is what we are. That's absolutely true. Which is funny with cuz I've mentioned in previous episodes about the licking the mushroom like I don't think Eli's character ever licked a mushroom and had a vision quest and stuff because all of us had some sort of well the most of us had a quest like Kieran went across a lake which is how she got cursed at one point to her deity's uh temple which uh I'm (laughs) looking back it's like oh I don't think at that point when we did that that we knew that that goddess was gonna betray her (laughs) well you didn't know that you weren't sure at that time. You were still trying to figure things out because <laughs> these were all we um the gods that we have in our story, they're not specific ones you would see in like other D D and Pathfinder. They're they may be aspects of them. Uh, not even so much. My world is pretty homebrew. much entirely homebrew. So all of the, the the whole pantheons are also homebrew pantheons. Oh yeah. I love them so much. And it's funny, like Frank mentioned that his character got to meet his parents. I think Kieran, she didn't get, she was the last one to meet her parents. And that was, I'm not sure what was going on. It was just like a random thing that was thrown there because I think we weren't going to see anyone for a long time because the planet was on lockdown. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was kind of the the overarching thing there was that they were embarking on the last leg of the journey and so they wouldn't be able to come back for a while and it was several months in game before you were we were able to reconnect with the outside world yeah because terra or earth whichever you want to call it was kind of cursed <laughs> kind of <laughs> i i'd say it was quite quite, <laughs> quite cursed good. Yeah, I'd say that, that that amount of curse was probably pretty pretty intense. Yeah, because I don't think we fixed the planet enough for it to be just as it was. Well, but I think right now, some problems in, with it. In the present game, there's a big f- uh, <laughs> uh, worm earth destroyer in it, which yeah. I, I, Russ does not know what to do about that. He does Go not make feel friends. great about it. Go make friends with it. You and Rika, go make friends with it. I don't think that that's the plan, no. But we did just find out that it exists, and we still have to read up on it and come up with a plan. I have a plan, but that's because I know how this ends, or at least I hope I know how this ends. But yeah, we're approaching the the last few. We can see the final boss tower on the horizon at this point, and I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be interesting it's like i don't know how many sessions we have left in dead planet which is what the story is called there's no telling at this point because i know eli has so many campaigns planned at least two three 
I have a lot. I mean, a lot of them are short term or uh, just diversionary. Like we have a group that we do. It's called Adventures Wanted. And it's mostly just for mm-hmm. short little one shots, very little overarching plot. So that's just generally for like a palate cleanser. I do have a couple ideas for larger campaigns to come. I'm not entirely sure what my next major follow right. through is going to be. I but... don't know how long mine's going to last. <laughs> mine's like still building. It's like, crap. Okay, I blame Dead Planet for this. It's going to take a while. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you'd be surprised. And most campaigns you don't have to run constantly for right. several years. We have, we will definitely cross the mark with Death Planet before we're done. We started it right. in early July, two years ago. So, yep, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, I didn't realize how long we've been doing this story. And there's so many great adventures we've had with it. Well, you've progressed all the way from a level one to. I believe one member of the party has hit level 20. I think it's just Rust. And I know that Dylan is close. Yeah. And Aniki and Emma have a couple more sessions before they hit 20. But I'm not sure about Kieran. I know Kieran was a little behind there for a minute. Yeah, she's at 19 now, I think. Yeah, I think everybody's at 19 except for Rust. Okay, yeah. But yeah, we're almost, we can see the ending on the horizon. It's a little bittersweet, but it's also very exciting. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if on our next major campaign, and I'm not talking about mine, because mine is, mostly my long one is going to be more for my learning DM under Eli, because I have to go to Eli for a lot of stuff. It's like, wait, am I doing this wrong? (laughs) We still need to go over maps. (laughs) Oh, maps are fun. I like drawing maps. It's translating maps into digital form that can get really tedious. Oh yeah. On on that, uh, I think that that's all right. Before we before we wrap up, Kieran, what's your favorite Rust story? I think I've told it enough about the whole thing with the dragon. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. That was one of that was a very recent and may have been even the last episode that we did where Rust got tired of negotiating. It was. He got tired of negotiating with a dragon, and he decided that the correct action was to to hit it with magic which is not technically magic i know you're not a magic user but it's still a blast of like fire and then your beloved be abundantly clear russ did say exactly what he was going to do the entire session no one believed him and everyone (laughs) for some reason was shocked when he did it i that is entirely fair um (laughs) you did in fact he was very clear about his plan and no one took him seriously we should never make that mistake again because he's extremely transparent. Yep. He says he's going to do something. He's going to do it regardless of consequence. Yeah, I think that's fairly safe to say. He but- did uh, yell down the dragon and say that ca- he called the dragon a coward, first of all, and said that pretty much, you know, he, Russ was not going to engage in this unless this dragon agreed to engage him uh, in single combat to win the prize. For some reason, the dragon didn't want to engage in that. And so Russ just decided he'd start it. Yeah, imagine that. The dragon, the dragon didn't want to duel you in single combat because that was funny. But yep. Um, your beloved wife did not like that answer, and that was the uh, advent of the sticking okay. you in a in a cage until you calmed down while she imagine- negotiated with the dragon. <laughs> it's true. And imagine the consequences 
if we had successfully killed the dragon, imagine the consequences awesome. for the rest of the universe. Everything would have gotten out. Well, also, I mean, don't forget that this was a challenge to single combat that when Rust inevitably beat this dragon, he wasn't going to <laughs> kill the dragon. The dragon was going to take its place as battery. And just in case anyone was forgetting, I, could, I obviously don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me, but uh, I am confident that Rust could have taken that dragon down to Pound Town. Perhaps. The dragon could also do a significant amount of damage as well. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. Have to be rezzed. And your primary healer was not with your party in this adventure. I will remind this you of is, that. This is, of course, just banking on the fact that since Rust is a uh, con caster, his HP is, his HP is his AC. That's true. He can take, he definitely has far more HP than anybody else in the party. I'm pretty it's sure true. you can, I'm pretty sure you can add Kieran and Emma's HP together, and it would be about his HP. <laughs> Which, by the way, y'all, that is the lowest <laughs> HP in the entire group. Kieran's yeah. always had trouble with her HP. It sucks. Well, you're you're a sorcerer. Sorcerers have yeah. low HP. Emma yeah, is a is also a caster, but she's not a sorcerer, so it's not as bad. But yeah. it's still not, it's still not great. Thankfully, her Kieran's AC's gone up. That's that is good because she dies so much. <laughs> See, this is why you guys, for your ultimate grand destinies, have to have contacts in the underworld because if one of you dies, then the game is over. So we just have to have people in the underworld be like, okay, well, let's recycle you again. To be fair, uh, there hasn't had to be any of that recycling from a divinity level. We have always managed to catch people with our own in-party res spells. Nobody has actually gotten outside of any of those resurrection windows. Emma has. But she's a I'm, goddess. She is has on occasion uh, had to be teleported back back home. Oh, Kieran had to be teleported once, but that's about it. Usually that's she gets rest. She did one time. So we haven't we haven't come anywhere near. A, well, we've come a little bit near, but never like TPY. But it was probably Kieran's mom or dad that teleported her back. Possibly her mom's like, I have to go file something. You go back. <laughs> You're in my library. That makes sense. <laughs> Our mother is the librarian of, of hell. Well, we don't call it hell. We call it Karin, but <laughs> essentially same thing. I think a parting note, I think I have to say my favorite thing about Rust is that he is, from a, from a story running perspective, I can always count on him to keep things interesting. He will always <laughs> engage with the plot and he will always... you Touch take, it. Well, he'll always touch it. You always take great pains not to metagame, um, which can be a problem with some of our other party members. Uh, I'll, um, I'll admit to guilt. So yeah. <laughs> you are, you definitely have some issues with men. Our other two are kind of power players that metagame a little bit, but I can always count on Russ to engage with the plot authentically. And I can always count on you to not metagame. And frankly, because it's more amusing and more fun, I think. Oh yeah. Well, that's a way, kind of, again, going back to uh, Russ's, sort of central tenant uh, his main thesis statement is when his impulse is not that smart or it, even if it's not using sort of metagame knowledge but just common sense i will full steam ahead i will i will pull i will go full rust and do that thing that is completely lacking common sense 
because that is just the type of person that he is. He is he's consistent, uh, he's mm. authentic, and he is impulsive. He's he's kind of he's he's klutzy with his own self-preservation. But then also with with that, goodness gracious, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> it happens, but it's all right. Uh well, one thing I will say before we do wrap up is the great thing about Russ is he is a rock you, and a movable rock, like a boulder mm. in your way. It's like, good luck. Kieran's it's, run into that before. <laughs> it doesn't it's work. definitely true. He is, he is stubborn, but usually in a good way. Usually. Usually. It usually works out. Um, and normally when he digs his heels in, uh, he proves to be right or right-ish. <laughs> right enough. Right enough. Right enough for government work. Yep. Oh, out. <laughs> hey, you know what? Not. I think he probably has a better percentage success on stubborn uh, opinions than anybody else in the party. Ah, uh, yes, that's that's what it's that's true. what I was going to say. Is that uh, it's really really easy and fun and uh, rewarding to play Russ the way he do, uh, the way I do, because Russ is a character that is not at all preoccupied with winning Pathfinder. <laughs> He is much more there to just throw himself fully into the narrative stream and see where he ends up. And I think that part of the reason why I'm able to do that so easily is that, Eli, I have such implicit trust in you as a uh, dungeon master. I know that you're never going to lead my character down a place that is not authentic, as is not earned, and you're never going to put him in any real danger to either get wiped uh, or to just get in a situation that is going to put him out of his sort of character window. That's true. I try to keep characters and their situations as authentic as possible. And I try to give my players a breathing room to play their play their characters authentically, no matter what the outcome of that might mean. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that that's probably about everything that we wanted to touch on today. I hope that we can bring you back on and hear more fun stories about oh, Russ yeah. and uh, other characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, hopefully next time we won't have such a technological uh, foobar, but uh, it is kind of typical for uh, where I go, technology falls. It's true. You are the downfall of technology everywhere. Magnet fingers. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. So join us next time as we take a look at character sheets. For more of our series of Pathfinder Basics, be sure to check out the 13th Hour podcast on Spotify or anchor.fm forward slash 13th hour. That is 13th hour. New episodes go up every Monday and Friday. <laughs>